All right, folks, this is the Mailbag Pod. Then you seem to do these in the summertime. I, I seem to remember us doing one last year. Yeah, I feel like I've done t- maybe two before. And I think I, I was going to say both in the off season, but that's probably not true. Maybe it's just the last one last, last yeah. summer. Can't, can't remember. But it's a good time to catch up on all the stuff we don't talk about normally. Maybe. I mean, so, of yeah. course, there's there's a lot of similar stuff. And thanks for all your questions. I've got an absolute flood of them. And 99% of them weren't calling me a racist, which I have to say is quite nice. Thanks, folks. It's a change as well. Yeah, yeah. I got flooded by the troll farm this week, many of which were calling me an imperialist of one flavor or another, which was lovely. <laughs> you know, yeah. Wow. I try not to be. Um, so, I, yeah, I mean, to be fair, like with all the monarchy re- re- memorabilia behind you. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Kind of well, fair, it's fair the, the real king, yeah. King Eric is, yeah, King Eric is right behind you. Yeah, I, actually, my. I think I'm right in saying my family history can be dated back to Edward II, which is the 13th century, right? So I, and my grandfather did a lot of, he was very interested in this. So I, I may be wrong, maybe the wrong king there, but there's some lineage. Anyway. So I should probably pay reparations, at least to the people of Britain whose wealth my family at one point stole and then lost, apparently, because, you know, wow, I'm not of the landed classes. <laughs> The intelligence of these bot farms these days, like, no wonder people are they scared knew. of AI. If they know this, they're smart. Yeah, I know. I've got to fest it up now as well, so, wow. Mm-hmm. I've got it coming. Anyway, so we're going to take on a few questions. We'll probably try and clump them into blocks of Qatar, Ineos, takeover type stuff, players and transfers. It's pretty much the two main blocks and other random, other rando questions. Not too many silly ones. So they, they like if if Paul was on here and people knew it, they'd ask the nonsense because he loves that stuff. But apparently, we're too serious for that. <laughs> I remember someone asking about my favorite crisps last year. That's the I think that's that that question that stayed in my head longest. It's got to be a ruffle, hasn't it? It's one of those ridge ones. It's got a. What is your favorite crisp? I think I said like pickled onion monster. Oh, that's a good choice. Year. I think I'm. It's the uh, it it's is. the OG it's daddy classic, of, of good crisps. That one, oh, yeah, <laughs> it is. I'm also massively into those uh, Mac, Walker's Max flaming hot. Oh, I think they're delicious. They're t- totally different crisps yeah. here in the US. So Walker's are called Lay's because it's all. I think it's all part of the same. So they're pretty much the same. And then there's a bunch of other weird stuff. Quite like this one called Tackies, which are I'm sure absolute trash, but they're kind of spicy. So <laughs> yeah. Not, not, not that I eat a lot. I used to love the red hot Cheetos ever, if ever I went oh, to America. Cheetos. But then you just get them all. They do dye your fingers, like, yeah. Grains into your hand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it doesn't come off for days. It just goes all in my clothes because I'm also one of those messy eaters where if it gets on my hands, then I just put it. Like, I'm literally a child. Like, and it all goes down my clothes. And then it's like, oh, God. Nightmare. I'm a nightmare of a human. Poor, poor form. All right, get some questions. Sorry. So for those of you on the on the video feed, I will be moving my head to my other screen. If I, if I put this one out, I've never actually put a full pod out on the video, but 75% of listeners want us to do it. So maybe for the new season, oh, wow. I ran a poll. So You're like Xavi in midfield then, I guess, like always, always scanning. scanning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. On this occasion, scanning for questioners. So Strefan Enderizing says, what, what are the key areas of focus for the new owner in the first or second months post takeover? Yeah, cleaning house, I imagine. <laughs> so it's well, it depends. If it happened today, which it won't, 
it would be transfer window, wouldn't it? Just signing off on stuff, which yeah. uh, I assume Murtar and and team are planning, but it's not going to get cleared that quickly. So the the owners and directors' test can only be cleared after the takeover is done. So if the deal was done today, if it's Jessim Katarbeard, they would delist. That actually takes a while, although you can run a special purpose vehicle to do it of some kind. And uh, so you create a company, buy the shares with that company off the glazers and then go and delist. Then you can start thinking about like management stuff, owners and directors, and then get signed off. So my betting is if, if the deal got done today, it wouldn't be done in time for the new season anyway. Could be wrong about that, but I don't think so. And that's without any political pushback. I don't know. Beyond that, it's it's management but, stuff, isn't it? CEO, C-level positions, look at the football department, won't happen straight away, but I bet it would happen within the first year. Yeah, and you, I was probably thinking that, I was about to say Brailsford then. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. What's his, what's, I think Brailsford would 100% be. Dave would come with his pouches. Uh, so our injury yeah. list would clear up miraculously, yeah. sort of thing. <laughs> it would be very interesting. I think I feel like Ratcliffe would probably be a little less hot, like wholehearted in these changes. I feel like it'd keep a lot of people in the same positions. But I think the Qataris, I feel like they'd bring in all their new people and just all the people who want to, well, who they want basically to be there. The few, I don't know, yes men probably. Yeah, yeah. If they're going to run the, the way that they that they run PSG with a yeah, I guess a real focus on the Neymars and Messi and Mbappe kind of types of players, I think they'll probably bring in all their own yes men. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I, I feel like Ratcliffe would probably be a little less likely to do that kind of thing, yeah. but I don't know. It's looking at the respective of like looking at OGC Nice and and Paris Saint Germain, yeah, very different. I mean Radcliffe like Radcliffe and team were there's a good piece by Eden Crafton actually in the the athletics sort of deep dive on Ineos's role at Nice. It's not been a great time, honestly, over four seasons. I mean some of it disrupted by COVID. I don't know what to make of that exactly, exactly how that changed what they did, but if there was a bit of chaos there, a lot of promises of big stuff that didn't really come to pass, and a lot of like what seemed like hands-on management, more hands-on than you'd want to be, really. They have appointed director of football now, they did late last year, and I think that, to me, seems like a sign of they'll step back and let the football department do the talking there, which... And that's an important... And it took the Glazers 17 years to do that, so they managed it in three to realise that perhaps just because you know about... It's billionaire dickhead syndrome, isn't it? Just because you know about oil and gas yeah. and petrochemicals doesn't mean you know about how to run a football club. So Paris Saint-Germain, yeah. I, I don't actually remember. So I probably should look back on exactly what they did. I mean, when did Al Khalifi come in? Is he straight away? So... Yeah, I'm not sure. And he is very hands-on. So, yeah. Anyway, I, I expect some cleaning of house. I don't think I don't think Richard Arnold will survive. There may yeah, there may be some stability there for a little bit, but it, he's got no long term future. So. Can you explain the takeover saga? Says Tarek Amir, friend of the pod, as if it were the MCU Star Wars universe. Your choice of expanded universe or DC, DCEU, and no, I wouldn't pick that one. That's, oh well, 
I don't know how you'd explain oh, it in terms of Batman. You, this is definitely you because I I I, I don't. Know. I don't know. I was, I was thinking <laughs> I about this watch one. Those I things. Mean, I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> obviously, Malcolm Glazer is 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 the the emperor. Obviously, and we're just wondering whether he's actually dead or not. I mean, so is he really pulling the strings <laughs> in the background? And uh, Joel Glazer is Darth Vader. Clearly, he is the major baddie. And I mean, I mean, who who are the, who are the who are the rebels here in this? This is the fans, right? The fans of the rebels. So that's true. So, I don't know who Luke Skywalker is exactly. So maybe it's you. Are you going to come in? <laughs> Am I? I guess so maybe. Do, do I look like him in the early days? Maybe when I was a little bit younger, I might have looked like him a yeah. little bit. Can you wield a large sword? But that means like Joel Glazer's my dad, doesn't it? That's true. Maybe he oh, is. God. Yeah. Oh shit, Tom! I am your father. God, I've got enough childhood trauma as it is. I, I, I don't know who Ineos and uh, I mean Ineos are clearly the first order or something like that or maybe that's the Qatari uh, like they're, they're the baddies about to come in sorry this is probably a crap answer wasn't it should have thought about it more deeply I, 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 I almost I don't want to say I don't know what you're talking about but I kind of don't know what you're talking about I, I know Darth Vader I know him I know I've heard of Luke Skywalker but anything else is kind of going completely <laughs> over my head I'm sorry that James Boy says if there was a choice between Qatar, Ineos, and liquidation, who would you support after liquidation? Oh, dear. <laughs> I mean, it kind of gets to the fact there aren't any good choices here. I, I do think there are levels. I mean, and clearly people have their own opinions on this. But for me, a, a state-run bid, and I'm just going to repeat, it's definitely a state-run bid, despite some high-profile folks trying to pour scorn and doubt on that one. I know state run bid for me is is obviously much worse. I don't. Know, the more I've spent thinking about Ineos and looking into what they do, and obviously I spoke to the folks at Client Earth the other week, and it's it's clearly not a great company. It's of course it's nasty pollution in in all its areas of operation. That is important for the planet. So, but it's not. I mean, Qatar is like in the top ten of fossil fuel reserves on the planet so like when it comes to environmental catastrophe they're definitely worse as well anyway your thoughts and the types of guys who are going to be lobbying for decades and decades to come pouring fuel onto the fire excuse the pun of basically pushing the agenda that climate changes is just a hoax which basically anyone from the fossil fuel fuel industry does well, weren't they chairing chairing the recent like COP summit the Qataris? So, or was that the Saudi? I, I can't remember. It's, it's one of the major fossil fuel producing countries that chairing the COP summit, which is just ridiculous. But yeah, yeah. But like you say, to me, to me, I completely agree that there's no comparison between the two, and and it's always going to be the lesser of two evils in this type of scenario, like throughout football history we've had people using football teams for for political reasons i mean you look at like mussolini in the 30s and franco with real madrid berlusconi who obviously died very recently used football basically to to become the prime minister of italy or was the president i don't remember but like it's it's happened throughout history it's not like this is just a new phenomenon i guess it's a it's a little bit newer to to English football in in the way it's happening, and obviously, especially with state bids, which is a just is is to another level. So it's not like we're just kind of 
becoming aware of oh my god no way like people are using our beautiful game I hate as a manipulative tool yeah you almost yeah. I mean, look, sports been used since for... Roman times. You know what the Roman get every every yeah, oh, yeah. or or emperor who came in used games as a way of like showing their greatness and and manipulating exactly. the masses. So you're right; it's not it's exactly. nothing new. So it's not like yeah, in Premier League. No, games. and it's not like football was it was like pure before before all this. But I think we do have to kind of see the lesser of two evils and kind of people in my opinion say like comparing the two like they're apples and apples i just think that's just completely disingenuous and like showing true signs of cognitive dissonance and being people being completely okay with that or and i guess just parking their morals for footballing success which i think we've spoken about this before that like i guess okay if that's what you want to do that's what you want to do but i don't think you should be i hate i hate the fact that if you're parking your morals and you're just concentrating on the football i'm not going to judge you in any way for doing that but then when you're kind of judging us for being having having a moral side and you're basically having a go or being self-righteous almost like thinking that we're some kind of well, I don't know. We're like we're being self-righteous by actually like standing up for something we believe mm-hmm. in. That that's what that's what angers me so much. Like, if if you don't care, you don't care. But you don't have to have a go at us for caring. Yeah, it has that's, been interesting, that hasn't it? A few prominent voices. I mean, I'm, I'm deep inside the Twitter sphere here, but but a few prominent voices on Twitter sort of having a go or like things like saying cry more cry more cry more is another one isn't mm-hmm. it like uh, of people who don't want a state run bid and uh, like it's a victory over your rivals or something it's uh, you know with all the the sort of noise about the the qatari bid having been successful like i find that very very odd like it's an extension of the weaponization of fans i didn't quite expect in that way and it's happened so fast yeah it really like, has they've yeah. not even taken over the club at the moment and like the the, the other thing the i don't really understand about it, ferocity like, of yeah it. The, the, the it is really yeah the ferocity and the kind of yeah um it's i, I mean it's making fans in a way but not quite against each other like this i didn't i didn't expect them to be so ferocious i didn't expect people to be so ferocious at each other like you say like so so angry at other united fans for having a different opinion and and having evidence to back up the opinion and facts to back up the opinion, that's what seems to like rile these types of people. It's like you you come up with a great argument like you have done plenty of times on this podcast and also having people on the podcast who know about this in such depth. And that angers people so much. I, I just don't, I don't get it. And, and then it, and like you say, it is Twitter. It, it's not real life. If I see someone in real life who wants to have the Qataris as as the um, as our new owner, I, I don't get into some massive, ferocious, aggressive argument with them. We just have a have a nice, well, not nice chat. Sometimes it, it might get a little bit heated, but it doesn't mean that like we, it, it it doesn't happen in the same type of way with personal insults or 
you kind of just you respect that person's opinion for what for what it's worth you disagree but like I, I know i know it's kind of just the same old argument or discussion point where social media just completely heightens yeah and makes people crazy but it's so exhausting it's the reason why i barely go on there yeah, anymore yeah. to be honest i just don't want to be involved in the discourse and i and I admire you for getting involved <laughs> in it the same way you do and like people like Miguel Delaney and Daniel Story and Adam Crafton who are relentless with their relentless on Twitter with it relentless with their journalism on it and despite the backlash that they get not just from United fans but from Newcastle yeah. fans from City fans from I guess fans from clubs all well, over the world Miguel like, got accosted at the Champions insane. League final didn't he so which is the danger, right? Like such. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It it doesn't it it but obviously it, it initiates on Twitter, but yeah, like people's anger is it it's not just kept to to the social media side. It's like it's a feeling that you feel inside your chest. It it makes your blood blood pressure boil, and then people just take that into real life and those lines start to become more and more blurred between social media and real life. And yeah, it starts to have real life impacts, like in so many different ways. It's obviously not just, just football, but like you think it's like the incel movements or whatever type of extremist movements that exist as well. Like, and just football is, has just become, yeah, so, yeah. so toxic online. And this is, this is just what, obviously we've seen with united well the uh, there seems to be quite a tight vein between the ticker twitter blue tick incels and the qatari flag lot honestly i mean that's uh, and that's what is great I guess, i'm not calling you all incels yeah. mm. <laughs> and that's what's great about the new verification system on twitter oh, is you can just ignore twats, everyone with a blue tick yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you can ignore everyone with a blue tick which is beautiful thank you elon yeah it's, um, no offense if you got a boot tick, but you probably did. Glacier MUFC says, if you knew the club was to be sold in eight to ten years, would you still be as against Qatar? I'm asking because you and the guests mentioned on a previous pod that waiting six to seven years for facilities to get upgraded would be worth it in the eyes, in your eyes, if it meant no Qatar. I mean, I do agree with that. I'm not sure we said it quite like that, but I, I think it would take longer for Ratcliffe to raise the finance to rebuild or renew Old Trafford. But I don't see it as a desperate rush, actually. I mean, it's Old Trafford is not going to fall over tomorrow. It still holds 73,000 people. Yes, it needs to be improved, but it's not. It's And it is holding the club back, in a sense. But it's not as desperately urgent as putting money into the team. Both need to be done, clearly. So I, I just, I think that's well worth it. And I don't think it would take that long either. Like Ratcliffe can borrow that much money without any kind of problem and it would pay for itself. In my view, I think the economics stack up. I mean, you've certainly seen that at Tottenham. They really do stack up. And uh, I mean, but <laughs> in us, is a 65 billion euro a year enterprise. Ratcliffe and his co-founders are personally worth about 40 billion pounds between them. Like the finance is not a problem here. I know a lot of nonsense is said on Twitter about this, but it's just not. It's like you can't be that wealthy and it'd be a problem. You just borrow money because it's well cheaper than liquidating your equity in the company that's actually doing really well. Right. So that's anyway. No, it wouldn't change my mind anyway. I didn't answer the question. 
wouldn't change my mind. I, I don't want a state-run club. And plus, if the Qataris buy it, they're here forever until the political mm-hmm. winds change. Yeah. yeah. And what happens then if it was Paul the Plot? Well, yeah. Don't know. Especially in 20 years down the line where, I don't know, maybe the bubble of football has burst a little bit. Like, maybe, or, or their political ambitions have changed, or they get aligned Saudi with the Iranians because the Saudis threatened to walk into Doha again. Right, that's not a, it's not a wild speculation mm-hmm. either. Like the plans were drawn up. Hey, that can all happen. The the risk for United in geopolitical terms. I, I try to say this on Twitter, and people are like, "Well, why are you blaming the Qataris?" I'm not blaming anyone. I'm just saying there's bloody risk. It's a massive <laughs> red flag. So <laughs> your owners could get invaded. <laughs> it's it's not good. Not <laughs> not good for them, and not good for the club. God, imagine. <laughs> Imagine the Newcastle fans and United fans on Twitter, like if a war kicked off. Yeah, well, because the UAE were like, aligned with the Saudis. It'd just be like the Russia and Ukrainians on, like, on Twitter, like just going at each other, aren't it? The proxy war in in the Premier League would become a hot war. And yeah, I mean, Jesus. I, I mean, we're sort of, I know we're sort of being trite about it, but it's, it's the plans were, go read it. They were drawn up. Part of the blockade was they were seriously considering invasion so that's how touch and go this was flynn says one all nqat fans want to know will you continue if qatar take over united all the all the easy questions hey i know people keep asking me this i'm not i'm not and, and like a few people have positioned it in a kind of gotcha like would you take over and keep <laughs> profiting after the qataris take over ah i don't know exactly it depends. It depends what the appetite is for us having this kind of conversation where we talk about the real stuff all the time, right? Because, in my view, following a state-run club makes it quite plastic. And it's not to say all fans yeah. would be plastic, but it's just like there's a tarnish. There's there's something not real about that because you're you're then a tool of their PR, and it's it's not the same. And you have to compartmentalize and say, hey, everything the club stood for before, good and bad thrown out the window we're only here to serve one purpose now and so that's why i say it's it feels quite plastic so i, I don't think like cheering on united dolls and cups would ever be the same again honestly would would we continue the pod it just depends if there's appetite for us having a real conversation or not i think your thoughts yeah i'd have to really think about it it's not like i mean i'm sure people aren't gonna be devastated if I go or anything it's not going to make a massive difference to the to the world but I just think inside of myself I'm not 100% sure whether I want to continue support it's not about the pod it's more about continuing support United yeah, yeah, and, sure. and and therefore would mean I wouldn't be on the pod uh, but it, it's, it's a really difficult question to answer because like you say it, it would feel plastic like City's success is completely felt synthetic a lot of them winning the Champions League two weeks ago didn't, or whenever it was last week, didn't fit, didn't hit as hard to me as as it would have done if Liverpool had won the Champions League the season before. Like, yes. I was, I was so nervous going into that Champions League final. It wasn't even the treble. Yeah. Whereas, like, it just feels like, yeah, you've this the, this whole experience is completely synthetic. You've not done it. Like, it's it's. It's so synthetic because it's inevitable. Like your success is inevitable because of what you have in place. You have 
all the money in the world. You're cheating the system. So you're not even abiding by the same rules. You have a, you've been able to just completely create a system which fits for this manager who is, I guess, in fairness to him, a freak because of just how good he yeah. is. So you're not playing by the same rules. And I, I don't know how you can really cheer it on in the same way. Like even their stadium feels completely fake because they were given to it, given it by the council, like what, 15, 16 yeah. years ago. Like it's just such a plastic club. It feels like, yeah, yeah. it feels like there's a club in, in Hungary called Pushkash Academy and they basically have no fans at all. And they were a, a club that were built by Orban in his home village right. because he wanted to have a stadium next to his childhood home. And it feels exactly the same type of yeah. thing. Like their stadium doesn't fill out in the way that City doesn't fill out. They're really successful. They've got a great academy. But no one actually like thinks that they're doing any good because like they're just a completely synthetic operation oh, didn't you know tom the city put this out there for... they've got 120,000 people on their season ticket waiting list apparently so i i'm sure <laughs> that's just filling out a form on the on the internet so they're those people who were they're those people from the bot farm who were slagging you <laughs> yeah, off they're yeah. the same people probably i mean i, I, look, I totally it, agree and, with and that, i feel like united so. would be united would be very similar the only thing is that we have the history success won't be yeah Inevitable, yeah, and success won't be inevitable because we'll be basically competing in a, a the other state clubs, two yeah. other state yeah. clubs. But like, it's still, it's still not the same, and I don't know how people can feel like it's the same being, being yeah, just a political tool. I don't know if people will feel like it's the same, or people are just going to pretend it. Yeah, like it. Well, look, I don't know. I, I mean, look, look at the Premier League altogether. It's got to the point where it's it's hard to. It's hard to feel like it's. We see football clubs not only as entertainment but a community asset, right? I think everyone who's a fan agrees with that. It's 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 more important than just your other some other entertainment business. Right? None of us would like wait on the edge of our seats to see whether the local cinema chain was like going to succeed in that opening weekend. Like I don't know what the right analogy is here, right? It's not, it's not this. Like even pop stars and stuff, and and people do get like really invested in that. It's it's not quite the the same kind of community feel, and and so it is really important. But look at the the top six now. United about to be taken over, it seems, by a state. Newcastle run by a state. City run by a state. Chelsea, Saudi backed, private equity fund. Right, people don't talk about that either. The amount of money in that private equity fund from Saudi. Arsenal, American financier. Arsenal fans are happy right now, but for most of the time, Kroenke's been in charge. They hate him and they want him out. So Liverpool, owned by a, a, a private equity consortium, like who couldn't give a shit about the fans and kept showing it. Yeah, so and, and many Liverpool fans, despite their success, won Fenway out as well. So like none of them have respected the community, really. I mean... Very few clubs in the Premier League now do. I mean, I think I think I'm right in saying that ten of the Premier League are owned by Americans now, and there's a mix of other stuff. And I'm not saying you have to be British to to understand the community at all. Like, I'm not saying that you can be a really good owner and and like understand that what these what these assets mean to to people. But but I think there's so many of the Premier League just couldn't give a shit about the fans anymore. It's a vehicle for profit making. 
or political motives. And and that's if United get taken over by Qatar, it's clearly a vehicle for for their uh, their soft power motives. It's not the same at all. If it's if it's Ineos, it's kind of a good question, isn't it? Is it is it because it's Ratcliffe's legacy and he really is a local boy, done good, and wants to. You know, he said similar things. He said, I wouldn't be in it for the money, basically. I'm summarising, but that's what he said. Like, you don't do this. And he said, he said, when buying a football club, it's not rational to look at the price. And what he was saying there is, like, he's a rational investor, value investor, always has been since his private equity days. Uh, and this is the one thing he would buy that is not sensible. Right? So it suggests to me he'd be doing that for some kind of, but it's legacy, his own PR motives. I'm less convinced by the greenwashing idea, although it's clearly true. I mean, talking like, listen to the pod I did with Klein Earth. There's clearly some aspect of that with Ineos, but I don't know. It's, I'm talking myself into like, it's all doom and gloom, football's destroyed, but it's, it's, it might not be far off mm. like what's happened to golf happening in football where states start buying yeah. into leagues. And, and then what, like, what does any of it mean then? Yeah, and I don't. I, I think a lot of people on Twitter kind of think, "Oh, if we can't beat them, join them." But I just think, I just think we should, in life, we should think better than that. Because if you just keep, if you just have that same philosophy for everything that happens in life, like where is it going to get us? It's probably going to get us to where we are right now, where like the whole, I'm not saying the whole world's fucked, but like you just look at like the whole of where where the world's going like it's 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 not on a good trajectory and having opinions like this in in matters that are so important i like i know we always kind of say it's only football but like this is a huge institution in the grand scheme of things and if you're going to have this opinion about this type of institution like yeah it's 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 really it's really worrying and troubling, like where the world is going, not just football, but the world in general. And and yeah, I feel like football is probably at a point of no return anyway. Someone I think replied to one of the questions on here by saying the point of no return was nineteen ninety two, which maybe is well, is true in some respects with the, with the launch of the Champions League, the, the launch Champions of the League, Premier League, Premier League of, and how League, of, yeah. how that's made yeah. how that's made the, the world, the footballing world so unequal. Like was equality everything in football? Probably not, but like the it with the inequality now is obviously a, a point of no return. You look at football nations around the world, like how far they have to, to catch up. Like Will an African football team ever win the Champions League, win the World Cup? Probably not. They've improved so much. But like the way that European football is going to continue to get better because they have so much money to pour into player development and science. And it's, it's almost incredible that Argentina have won, won one because I feel like South American football is probably going to go down the same way as, as Europe, Europe centralises basically all the money mm. i mean saudi obviously have, have jumped in now mm. but like the footballing world is so unequal and now going this way with the the introduction of well the introduction i guess was 2003 with roman abramovich of people using football as soft power in in such a blatant way and not even 
no one even pushing back. Yeah. Like it's just, it's really, I find it, I find it really scary to be honest. And I don't, there's a lot of me that when I speak to non-footballing people, it's almost a little bit embarrassed by liking football because of how toxic it is in the world. Yeah. yeah. And although Tom and, and just most to people say don't I'm supporting think about United it in those who, terms. They just see it. they don't think about it. They don't and, and people money. want footballing success. And I, yeah. I completely agree. I completely couldn't understand that because like it's a, such an escapism and and I don't want people to lose their Man United because it's the one of the most important things that has been in my life for thirty years. But like I guess there are bigger things than footballing success. Yeah. All right. Well, we have about a million other questions on takeover and stuff, but I think we covered most of the points. Yeah, I, I, I like you kind of, I do worry for the future of football. I, it does seem to be going down a route where inevitably like nefarious money pours in, whether it's whether it's private equity funds. There, there are now 27 multi-club networks in Europe, 27. Right? And like we all think of City and, and Red Bull, but there are many others. Whoever takes over United, it's going to be a multi-club network. So, and it's just and like it goes back to that point where I make where like Europe, Europe is just this like basically wrecking the rest of the world by consolidating all the wealth and talent, like the yeah. Brazilian clubs, like Red Red Club, Red Bull, Brazil, Brasilia, or yeah, where, yeah. wherever they're yeah. from in, in Brazil, and Melbourne City, yeah. and a team in China, yeah. and a team in Japan, and just nicking all their players for cheap money and then just yeah, yeah it's yeah it's grim it's it's very dark all right let's get on to some lighter questions i think there are any <laughs> look at it then. ben hudson oh, man, i feel like i need it what are your thoughts on mike luhd and his elk i mean honestly ah, i find him kind of this is light i know i find him quite funny he's a troll he's actually quite a good troll he's he's like he's quite he creative with it and he's very dogged, but yeah, he's, I don't take him seriously. Social media is this thing, isn't it? That basically rewards people for having the most extreme opinion. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously people that make it to the top of and, and gain loads and loads of followers because they do offer insight. They do offer quality. I guess they're writing stuff and people want to be interested in them. Like tactics bloggers are massive on Twitter because they're offering so much in, right. insight. But then you also have these people, I guess, like Katie Hopkins or Piers Morgan, Lawrence Fox, who gains so much notoriety basically through his madness on Twitter. And then you've got Mike LUHG, who's basically the same type of guy. He's basically just coming in relentlessly extreme with all his opinions. And yeah, if you take him seriously, then I guess that's just, it's kind of, is it your own fault? But just don't fall for the bait. It's yeah. like a guy in like a WhatsApp group who's always like prodding you. Just don't, don't fall for it. I know. I try not to. I mean, I, I used to get quite angry, actually. And mm. not, not, I don't mean I might get UHG. I just generally like the discourse on Twitter and get involved with stuff. And I do, I do reply to people who are not just in broadcast mode, but now I just feel a bit more rational about it. And I don't get involved in fights. Or at least I don't feel like I'm getting involved in fights. I think I'm quite logical in, in my responses and stuff like that. And I think that's the best way to be if you're going to engage in social media. If, if you get angry all the time, whether it's about politics or sport or whatever, culture war type stuff, you are kind of screaming into the void. And that, if, if you take the approach that you're not going to convince anyone, basically. Yeah, you're like, not. 
then uh, if you get involved in the discourse, just realize you're not going to, no one's going to go, oh yeah, you know what? You were right all along. I was big Qatar in and now I'm, I'm, now I realize what you're saying. So it's just not going to happen. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, it's like, what are you going to achieve really? Like I, I used to be exactly the same. I think also like if it caught me on a bad day or I've just had a really busy day and then I check my Twitter and then I used to buy like immediately, or I just used to, I used to also go through this period of my life where I thought it was good to argue. I think like Socrates, when he was like throughout his whole life, he basically just spent his time going through like the city and basically just arguing all day. Picking arguments. I think yeah. I, yeah. And so that made it made him like smart, smarter. So he could like, yeah, work out like how people thought or like, work out different philosophies and work out the answers so, yeah but in the end they think, made him drink some red so it's like <laughs> <laughs> i think i read that once and then i used to do it myself and it was just arguing with people constantly and like you say like i got to the point eventually where i was like what am i achieving with this apart from like boiling my blood pressure yeah. every day and like yeah making myself i guess severely depressed by just being constantly angry and annoyed at other people and my life. If you like the show, the way you can support us best is by leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And it really doesn't matter what you say in that review either. You can say you'd rather we talked about Manchester City and Liverpool. Just hit those five stars. Many thanks. Gus L says, is it ethically sound to sell Mason Greenwood for a decent transfer fee? All the good questions here, folks. <laughs> this is football right now. This is 21st century football. I mean, the idea that United would just... I, I just find it impossible, the idea that they'd just sack him. They'd have done it by now. Yeah. So, and it, like, I'm not, I'm not saying this is my view, but... He's a hundred million pound player. They're not. They're not. It's just not going to destroy that value because another football club will pick him up in microseconds. So, is it ethical to sell him? No, probably not. Like, he hasn't been charged with a crime. He's not guilty. Clearly, in legal terms, moral and ethical terms, that's another question. So, but if they if they sell him, it's because they don't believe he should be at the club. If they don't believe they should, he should be at the club. It. It is kind of morally wrong to profit off that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but we have just had a discussion about like billionaires yeah, and the billionaire yeah. class and the people that run football and the people who are in charge of football clubs. Their morals in general are to be nice, like questionable. Yeah. So it's not like they're just gonna like develop this Oh god. I mean like huge moral the Qataris. But then I guess it becomes like like go look at the look at the the legal system around women in Qatar, right? Yeah. <laughs> They'd have a moral problem. I mean, depends. Maybe the local PR aspect would would factor into this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they have Neymar yeah. wearing like rainbow shirts, right? It's like what they do locally and what they do at home. Two different things completely. Ineos, I mean, they got petrochemical steel in Saudi Arabia. Like they pollute everywhere. They're in multiple lawsuits. I don't, I mean, honestly, it's like, I can't imagine anyone there giving a shit. I think the the aspect it'll come down to is like, 
do the club think they can get away with reintegrating him? It's where I think we're at. Yeah. Yeah. Is this a good look for yeah. the football club right now is kind of the question. And the thing is... It's not the right question, is it? Greenwood... <laughs> no. If Green if Greenwood was integrated into the team, though, there'd be loads of people who would be happy with of that. Course. Like you see the discourse on Twitter and how much that has changed over the past 18 months and how much that has changed since the not well, the charges were dropped. Like it's scary how many people want Mason Greenwood back. I, I almost feel on Twitter, which I know is is a bubble and shouldn't be where you get well, you shouldn't be seeing like what the, that's definitely the right opinion but i feel like more most most people i see on there want greenwood back in the team uh yes and, and it's not just the andrew Tate crowd similar. is it it's it's like no like, i, I mean the, the fact that he wasn't found guilty probably a lot yeah. of this swap over between those people and qatari i know i know i wonder what the venn is venn diagram yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean what would it take for you to change your mind because at the moment like i saw the pictures and i heard the audio i want that kind of player at the club as brilliant as he is and he's a brilliant player and you know i could really do with him imagine him at number nine you forget all the other stuff which i'm not but you can easily see why ten Hag would want him back instant fit yeah yeah brilliant player yeah great like massive potential all of that you can see why people want him back Mm -hmm. from a football like what would it take from a moral point of view for you to change your mind genuinely nothing i i think that everyone deserves like a second chance in a life while it's not like i I would kind of be of the opinion where i'll throw i chuck him in jail and throw away the key kind of thing but like i don't think that second chance needs to be at the top level of football where it's kind of just a which basically signifies a massive fuck you to the female population. I, I, I don't, I, for me, I don't, and I, I guess I have a different opinion to a lot of people. For me, there's no, there's no potential road back. I think to play professional football again, I think, I'm not sure, but I think potentially, yes. If he came back and was, I don't know because it, he, I don't know how we could say, I'm sorry, I didn't do this. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm sorry for what I've done. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. When the charges were dropped and he has done nothing wrong. That and, and how, uh, I don't see how he can kind confess. Of confuse... Yeah. So... No. And also, if the woman comes out and says he did nothing wrong, like, I guess in, in some regards, like, maybe on the face of it, we should believer but then also like powerful men manipulate women all the time all and it, it, especially it's abusers. especially like a vulnerable yeah. woman in this scenario like it, it's hard to take her on face value so that's why i think it's like for me it's really difficult to say there's any way back that any reason why mason green would come back to the football club I really, yeah. I really, really struggle with it. Yeah, no, I, I totally understand where you come from. And I like, I thought about this. Like, what happens if he... Because it was floated, this idea that he would go and do a TV interview and and tell his side sort of thing. But, like, what, what, what can he say there? He can either say, look, nothing happened, don't know what you're talking about. 
and and yeah. people would take that and i feel it's totally disingenuous probably so or he could say look i did some bad stuff she's fine she's found a way to forgive me i hope you can too i'm really sorry i don't know how he could say that because he would basically be confessing to something so it, yeah it's like that's the only route to some kind of moral path back isn't it to to admit his wrongdoing to say he's like fixing it to beg for a second chance and to say that my future wife to be and mother of my child has forgiven me and i hope you can too right that's the only path back and then to spend dedicate the rest of his footballing days working on like programs like that are trying to solve violence against women i I mean even then is it acceptable i I just yeah i mean if he became a campaigner i I guess if (laughs) like would it would it be okay then like do we we, we yeah, do want to give I mean, people second chances, good, right? But it's just like... it's a it's a good question, and also like if if you are making the best out of a really really bad situation in this scenario as well, like it, like what what's actually going to be achieved by punishing him? Whereas, like you say, if you do, if he does become a campaigner and a real voice for truth, then then wow, that's that's a huge step forward. But then also on the flip side of that, like, well, you should be serving time. Then. Like you should have received some type of punishment. And the only punishment that he would have actually received is what, two years out of the game, that 18 months out of the game, which some people get for having a bad injury. Like he wouldn't have received any punishment. Yeah. Like is 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 18 months out of the game punishment enough for what he would have committed? I mean, some people do like, think that not and the me. reputational damage. Yeah, I'm not saying I do. I know, I know some people do think that that's sufficient punishment. I, I'm not really a throw away the key type person, but I, as in like the prison system doesn't really work in the way that we think it does. It's a whole, whole different pod, many different pods on that. But and, and so it's it's not just about kind of retribution punishment it's it's got to be about greenwood understanding what's happened and what he's done and its impact not just on him but on the thousands of women that do suffer from domestic abuse and violence every year and we haven't seen any of that yet and i understand the kind of understand the legal and the contractual reasons for that not happening and i assume that's what they're working through at the club but you know, I, I don't know. It seems like they're going to work a way of getting him alone abroad for a year, and he'll come back in uh, in twenty four, and we'll, they're just going to kick the can down the road to see if that's an acceptable path back. And in twenty four, can they then reintegrate in, into the team with, I presume, a new contract because he's out of contract in twenty five. You also got to think for the for the woman as well in this scenario that like eighteen months out of the game for Greenwood is. It's the say so is the punishment he comes back, goes on loan to wherever and and then comes back to United in, in two years. Like she's gonna be scarred for life for what she's gone through. Like she like will she feel the same way ever again? I don't know. Like you, you talk somehow you a lot about seems domestic to have abuse. Him or or at least didn't wanna I mean they're still together, so but and and I realise there are a lot of reasons why but, that could be the case. Yeah, yeah, very dark, a lot of ones. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And a lot of domestic abuse cases, this similar type of thing happens, like for for so many reasons, which experts better than better qualified than me would be able to 
report on but yeah it's it's obviously an argument that a lot of people have and they use that as an excuse for yeah greenwood coin back but yeah it's it's such a difficult one and like it's it's such a nuanced conversation that even was talking about it for 10 minutes we can't really explore every right. every detail to it and every kind of avenue to it is is so difficult and yeah i think whatever solution united come up with will won't be the right one for in well this 100 it won't be the right one in someone's eyes all right jj says what's the impact of the takeover on our transfer plans i'm sticking this into the transfer bucket <laughs> as a question do we have enough to get what we need you see i don't think it has any impacts because united's budget is set mostly by ffp constraints which are this year 90 percent of revenues minus allowable expenses, so stuff on capital expenses and so on. Capital expenses, women's team, in costs and deductions and stuff like that, right? So 90%, which is a, a fairly healthy budget. We United spent a lot. So uh, on the, I think it's done on a rolling basis. Eventually it will be this, this kind of sliding thing. It was 100%, 90%, 80%. We're eventually going to get down to 70% of of revenue is allowed to be spent on footballing things, transfers, agents, fees, and wages. So it's not answering your question. I really don't know all the costs they'll take out. That's the problem. So everyone who's saying like 100, 120, 150, they're guesstimating um, because they could be doing an Everton here and just miraculously finding some costs that didn't really exist. Everton, by the way, very, very naughty what they've done. I think uh, we haven't heard the last of that. <laughs> so... Do we have enough to get what we need? I don't think so. I think United would have to get some pretty big fees for transfers out. But it's got really nothing to do with the takeover. So, I know there was a press report that said uh, United would get an extra $50 because they wouldn't be spending it on interest. That's actually not United's cost on interest. Dividends are paid after profits from the group company. Uh, it doesn't impact FFP at all. It's... It just doesn't like none of it. None, yeah, it doesn't matter. That was all wrong. It's yeah. <laughs> anyway. We don't have enough. Is the answer? We need a massive fee for Harry Maguire. What do you reckon the chances are of that? Well, Saudi. Like this could be. This is our opportunity to to use. They don't pay transfer them. fees though to the Saudi Pro League. No, that's true. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, Henderson's, they're talking about 20 million, aren't they? For and I think Forest, that'd be a fair fee for him. I mean, he'd be he'd be more than that if he like hadn't been out for so long. And if you sold him after that great season he'd had with Sheffield United, you'd get a really good fee for him. Yeah, or if he'd continued in the same form he'd had for the rest of, yeah, for the rest of last season until he got injured. Yeah. And that's also good for the, whatever, the, is it moratorium? thing because obviously he's a candy player so yeah yeah the amortization yeah 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 um, still yes he goes straight on your this is what this is why chelsea are gonna sell a bunch of mason Man. yeah mac mac says harry kane being unattainable which striker should we be in for hypothetically assuming we have the money because it seems like we probably won't god it, there's so many questions i, I don't know this hoiberg guy I've, I've barely ever seen him apart from like highlights reel so no idea seems like atalanta are asking for a big fee as well so mm. randall colo moani i've seen more of he's a good player but i just I, I honestly thought he looked better in kind of wider positions than through the center yeah so 
Yeah, don't know about that. Marcus Trams available on a freebie again. I think he's probably a tier down. He's definitely a tier down from Harry Kane. But free. Yeah. We've, we've got to be looking at someone who's going to score the amount of goals that Harry Kane is going to score, or maybe five goals yeah. or so less a season. And there's so few players obviously out there who who even have the, who have the potential to do that. Yeah. Like, you look at Ozzyman, obviously, he's like one of the big ones. Yeah, yeah. And he, he would, he would like be like, in, in Ten Hag's words, like no risk, right? That's apparently what he's saying, no risk. Yeah. Um, it sounds like Napoli are going to want a huge sort of... More than our summer budget, maybe yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. And then there's like Ramos, obviously, at Benfica, who looks... He looks great. But then you kind of look at like Nunes and how he's adapted this season from Benfica and making the same jump. I think Ramos is more, he's got softer feet and it's better at linking up play. And I think he's a better all round player. I think he's more intelligent than And he's not as wasteful. Nunes, but no. And obviously, like he loves, he's a big game player. He scores in a lot of big games. He scored. I think a couple in the last game of the season to win in the title and obviously he scored a hat-trick in the World Cup on, on his debut, which was absolutely ridiculous. Like the best, one of the best storylines ever with Ronaldo. And I think he'd be great. Like, and then you, I almost like think we'd have that we have to sign two strikers. Like yeah. there's no doubt about it. And I almost think like someone like Mukoko at Dortmund. Dortmund. I don't know how I like the look of him, but I like ha- yeah. Who knows? It's just how do you prize him away from Dortmund? Yeah. But then a lot of those players, like a lot of Dortmund's players have a release fee because that's the reason why they signed to Dortmund in the first place. Yeah. Obviously, like Haaland, Bellingham didn't even go for that much, really. I, I, I mean, it could be a lot fee. with the add-ons, but yeah. Yeah, up front, it's only like, like For 19-year-olds, yeah. who's as good as him, like... And, yeah, I... I, I but I guess, like I said, it's, it's difficult but 17, 18, that's what we need to be going for. We need to be going for like an established striker. And a young one. And like an 18, 19-year-old. Yeah. I mean, I like the look of Makoko and Ademi, actually, at Dortmund. Both of them look really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're both yeah. raw and not ready for... Not ready no. to... That's why... That's, yeah. Not lead the line on their own, yeah. Be the, be the new saviour up front. Which, what I've seen of Ramos, he probably could do. I just... I don't know whether he's worth that kind of mega, mega fee. I just... I, and I'm not yeah. sure. It, it's not certain in my mind that he's definitely a player who's going to score 20 league goals a season and 30 across all competitions, and yeah, and be that kind of quote unquote it, no risk. So, and it's difficult as well because it's his first like full season being the number nine. Like, how good is he going to be next year? And then also you think. Maybe we should sign him this year because he'll be cheaper than he'll be next year if he has like an unbelievable season. season. Or like Real Madrid come in and sign him next summer or or someone else, yeah, yeah. With, with huge money or like whatever. Like it feels like we yeah, it's, it's a risk to to wait a season, but then it's also like I think we need to wait a season because it's a risk to sign him right now as well. Is that's always the problem with team like players coming from those types of leagues as well, really. Like City have done it so well with this season with signing Haaland and then also signing Alvarez as the, the kind of the second choice because they're buying him from Argentina and giving him, yeah, there's no pressure at all to succeed. 
Like, yeah. And he's been great doing that. So uh, Chupo Moting it is from Bayern then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, somehow we, we achieved quite a bit this season having Boutbeckhorst up front for a lot of the season. So just someone who's pretty reliable, good link-up player, doesn't have to be the elite elite, is going to make a big difference to United. All things kind of being equal. You're talking me into Ramos now. So. You're talking me into Ramos. I think. Yeah, I, I don't know. It seems a risk. I mean, his numbers are good. He scores goals. He's high 90s percentile when benchmarked across top five leagues for goals, non-penalty goals. He's a good link-up player. He's He's got the raw skills. I, the translation for Portuguese football to the Premier League and a young player with not a track record, it's a mega risk. Just mega risk. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Oh, yeah, let's, this is a good one. Park the Bus says, with the likely revival of Liverpool, there's two, two state-run clubs flush with cash, Arsenal getting its act together. What would United require this window to move forward next year? This means top four, deep run the Champions League, tilt at another domestic cup. I mean, I think he's getting a good point. In that I, you think, you would think it's going to be really competitive. Like yeah. Newcastle clearly going to spend some money, I imagine. City apparently have a mega transfer budget. <laughs> I mean, to make of that what you will. <laughs> and they're obviously building from a very strong base. Liverpool, I'm sure. I mean, they've already done good business in McAllister at a very reasonable fee. He's a direct replacement for Jordan Henson, basically. They're looking at no, other I don't know good why players. we went in for him. So, I, I, well, I know why we haven't moved for him. It's the same reason we haven't moved for well, anyone yet. So It's true. Yeah. It's true. It's true. Yes, I, I, mean, I was always... Kind of thought of him that he's like a good water carrier, but actually good water carriers are very useful and he'd be a good complement in the squad, wouldn't he? So, yeah, yeah uh, he would have been a great, uh, yeah, great sign. Uh, Chelsea under Poch, I, I know they had, they're going to have another summer of change because they have to sell players, but they will solve a lot of their FFP problems just selling Mason Mount. And Ruben lost his cheek, mm. they won't get as much for clearly, but it just solves a lot. Selling academy players, they can get just get through to next summer. And they'll probably sell tell ten players, right? So, yeah. So I think they'll be stronger. Poch will have a very clear idea of what he wants. Liverpool revival, Arsenal. If they do get Rice, it's a mega upgrade in midfield. Despite all Arsenal fans saying Thomas Party was the greatest midfielder ever, funny that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just like, it's so bizarre that whole discourse. So yes, he's going to be hyper competitive. I think. So, and United need to fix quite a few holes. Goalkeeper, striker, backup in midfield, absolute musts for me. Yeah. I, I, I think midfield is one of the biggest, to be fair. Like the way Casemiro and Eriksen dropped off towards the end of the year, that, that engine room that was so vital at the start of the season was just running on fumes towards the end. It just, it just didn't look the same. Like, and it needs to be re- revitalised with with some legs and some quality. I, I think what we need, I think we need at least one one centre midfielder, at least two strikers, probably a right back, goalkeeper, uh, who those players are. I, I, I Newcastle have been really linked to Barella recently. And I think Luke Edwards at the Telegraph, Luke Edwards is a moron, by the way. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Completely. Yeah. 
Yeah, it really is. I'm, I'm um, saying my First Amendment rights as now a as a <laughs> as a citizen of the United States. No, I'm not a citizen. As a permanent resident of the United States, I have my First Amendment rights. He's a fucking idiot. I think they're the worst, the worst. Actually, the Newcastle crowd. Yeah, honestly, all of them. Yeah. Edwards, Colkin, Shearer is not really a, a journalist, but kind of pretends to be these days. They are absolutely criminal. Not to go back to our previous questions, but. Like yeah. Shira said, he'd hold them accountable. Not once. Fucking hypocrites. A lot of them. Completely co-opted. Disgrace. Yeah. Disgrace. As an aside, wasn't it? Yeah. He he said that he said he said that Barella or Newcastle are trying to get him, and he's kind and Barella's kind of thinking about. I, I, I very think good he'd be player, great signing for United. Very I think he'd be player. better than Mount. Yeah. He's definitely I, I don't better than Mount. Hate Mount, yeah. but I think yeah. Barella. Yeah, and cheaper, surely. Better attitude, better personality. I think it, like, he's a winner. Like, like you saw him in that Champions League final. Yeah. Like, I love that type of personality. I think he'd be great. I think Soboslai again is being linked to Newcastle. Yeah. Absolute. Where would he fan fit though? In the United side with Bruno Fernandez. I mean, do you play him wider? Could he play eight? He, he has played. He, he does play wide for for Leipzig, but for Hungary, he kind of plays as an eight and I think he's got the quality to like play alongside someone like Casemiro he's great defensively like honestly yeah. so yeah. good defensively grew up in like a Red Bull system like went to Salzburg at like 16 yeah then went to Leipzig so he's got all that like pressing ability through and through like he's better like closer to goal because he's got so much quality but I also think he could turn into a bit of a, like a Goretzka could Goretzka when he was when he, before he went to Bayern, played a lot closer to goal, and like yeah. Bayern like built him into this tank all round eight, yeah, yeah. Which I think like they, like someone who knew what they wanted to do with Sobos, like could do that, and I think he'd be great for United. I said we should just. I've known about Sobos like, since he was like fifty, yeah. Because obviously I, I'm into like Hungarian football quite a lot, but like when we signed. Van der Beek. I was like, why are we not signing Sobos yeah, like, yeah. from Salzburg? And it could have been perfect by then. But anyway, I think it'd be great. Tom and then... raging hard on for Sobotai. So let's uh... Oh my god, I am He's a good player. Yeah, yeah. Fanboy. He's a good player. I, I and then a keeper. About the position, but yeah. Yeah. And then a keeper like I don't know. Anana would have been great if I mean he'd have been a free last life. summer. That would have been the time to do it. Anana. Oh my god. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's a good player. He's very, very good with his hands. I think he's an all-round keeper. He's a big personality as well. Really does take responsibility for everything. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. David Dyer, I like as well. Can you look so, at... He's yeah. going to Tottenham. Yeah. It's, I, my, my question with Raya is, like, does he have the, the brilliance? He's a good all-round keeper. I just, yeah. like... Yeah. Pulling I off something that, another like, keeper wouldn't, I'm not sure. I think he's a bit like Lloris, but not quite as good. Like he's, he's better with his feet than Lloris, yeah, but like is. Lloris is a shot stopper. I think he's, they're quite similar. I think almost like I think that Unai Simon athletic as well. Yeah, he's made a few like high. He's made a few high-profile errors for Spain, but he's still there number one. He's he's really really good keeper. Probably second best in La Liga behind Ter Stegen. Yeah. Rich says, you can only have one player from previous teams up to 1990. Who do you go for with the current side? I was having to think about this one. Up to 1990, right? I, I mean, to be honest, I didn't really watch much football before about 1983. So 
I'm not sure I can remember much before then. So that only gives me a short window. And I, I think my answer is Brian Robson. So what about you? I think, you were about three I years think, old in 1990, weren't you? Yeah. I, I, was, I was minus two. <laughs> See, um, you've got these young people. <laughs> Honestly, unbelievable. From, from what my dad said, my dad was an absolute Robson fanboy. So yeah, it'd have to be him, I think. Like, I think every time I watch a game with my dad, like my dad would still talk about like Robson in that center midfield. And yeah. I, I've like, had one, I met what? Brian Robson once. Anyway, I, I loved him as a player. He's great. It's just such a shame he got injured so often. But it's, it's like great defender, great all round, scores goals, mm. perfect number eight for this. I think he's the answer. Uh, so the hill I'm going to die on. Anyway, I, I met him once at that hotel next to Liverpool Street Station. I was interviewing him. I think I was the last interviewer of the day. He'd just been sacked as West Brom manager. Let's say he wasn't in the best mood and he'd had quite a few <laughs> by the time <laughs> I got to him. I do have the notes. Uh, it was fairly incomprehensible. I never published it. <laughs> but I had a good chat with him for like an hour and a half. He was really nice and he was wow. just very chatty. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's my one Brian Robson anecdote. Hendo says, how funny is it that Norway going 1-0 up versus Scotland via Haaland penalty, him getting subbed and Scotland winning? Well, I'm not a Scotland fan, but I did quite enjoy that. So, but Scotland are great at the moment as well. Like, where yeah, has this come yeah, from? had a really good start to qualification. Yeah, yeah beat Spain, beat Norway away from and They basically qualified. I think they're eight points ahead of the... Well, they were when they went there after they won. Yeah, this is Scotland though. They can they can Scotland this up. So. Yeah, they could. Yeah, Matt, Matt Smallardoni came on for for Harland, which is did. similar types of players. Last from the past, isn't Abs- it? Absolute hero, United legend. Did you see any of the England game? England versus Malta. I watched them too. It was one 0 and then I turned it off. And then I saw loads of people comparing Trent Alexander Arnold to Messi because he can pass against Malta. A team where Joby Jones, who can't even get into the Notts County team in the fifth tier of English football, was starting for them. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, mm, levels. we do need to put it in perspective. It was a fine goal, uh, Beckham esque. It was great. In the wrong corner. But, uh, yeah. I, yes, I, I, I have to say, I, I think I only really get semi invested in England when it comes to the tournaments. The rest of it's quite dull. Yeah, so and I, I did notice that Luke Shaw was pictured with both Harry Kane and Declan Rice and showing <laughs> them around the training ground at Carrington. <laughs> like, good, good try, Luke. I don't think either of those deals are going to happen, but no. a good try. I it, it's interesting, isn't it? Like European qualification because obviously we've got it at the moment, and <clears throat> there are a lot of nothingy games. But I think I prefer that to like pre-qualification because. It's only really the the elite of the elite, like England, France, Germany, Spain, who really crush like these teams like Gibraltar and San Marino and Andorra. Like, and why can't these type teams like compete on against like the elite? And that, like, you look at Faroe and a few years ago, they like pulled up some great results against like bigger teams, and they. They've always been a minnow. Like I, I, I don't really like footballs. As we've spoken about on this show, like football has enough of a barrier between like the elite and 
the the minnows and i think european qualification is quite nice in the fact that the minnows get a little bit of yeah they're all starting on an equal level and like a team from andorra is never going to make it into the champions league champions league and they're never going to play against the elite of world football it's nice that they get like an opportunity like this and and Andorra, not that long ago, beat Hungary after the after the Euros. Like, yeah, like yeah. It, these shocks do occur every now and again, and, and against England, and obviously I, I, not. Yeah, it would be a real shame if they sort of conference leagued it. Yeah, where like they put all the minnows together in order to make the the other qualification games more meaningful. And like yeah. Iceland, for example, yeah. Iceland's only a country of three hundred thousand. They used to be like a real, real minnow of European football, and they they ended up having like a good. And it's still not bad now, but years, obviously, yeah. yeah, a few years yeah. where they were really, really good. Like, yeah, I think football's in. There's enough of a barrier between the, the top, like the t- top teams and the, the minnows that we can, like, we can, I guess, put up with these games, England versus Malta, every now and again. Yeah, even though it's just o- over off. here in the Concacaf region, the US beat Mexico yes again. I think it's actually the Nations League rather than qualification for anything. Not that. I, care much about it but I, I do find that there's a whole greg, greg berhalter has come back as being the, the coach after all the shenanigans with yeah. geo rayner and wow. geo rayner's mom <laughs> yeah i just it is quite funny watching american football or soccer twitter freak out about that yeah that was there's yeah, was good good violence stuff. in that usa mexico game as well wasn't it i, I yeah i love a punch up Rip shirts, the whole lot. It's good. It's good. Yeah. yeah, I guess Mexico are feeling a little bit down because they've been on top of USA for so so long, and now it's kind of yeah, tables have turned a little yeah. bit. Yeah, the LAFC lost the Concacaf Champions League final to Club Leon, and and the manager whose name I forget now said, "Oh, it's because we don't have the resources or the money." But I, I actually think, looking at it, the MLS now is paying higher wages than. Yeah. Uh, Liga mix and and that didn't used to be the the case. It's I mean the new Apple deal will put the financial situation of MLS on about par with the championship. So there you go. Yeah, crap though. It's really crap. It is so bad. But are you going to go and watch Messi when he comes to Seattle? Probably, yeah. Probably, I'm sure they'll fill out the stadium. Yeah, seven thousand people. Yeah. It sounds like yeah, yeah. Sounds I, like I'm sure he's going to enjoy past. playing on a plastic pitch as well. Yeah. So. To be fair, I'd do the same as him. Like, if you played at the top level of European football for so many years, you might just go and have a holiday in Miami for a sure, few years. Sure, Miami Beach is great. Play yeah, a bit great of... load of fun. I don't think he's a big drinker, but nah, it's good for the, good for the family. Yeah, it's a good lifestyle. Mm-hmm. He'll, he'll have a, a very nice house, you know, somewhere out in the sticks or on one of the keys. Yeah. So it's better than living in room. part of town. And yeah, better than living in Riyadh as well. Like, yeah, on a compound, yeah, yeah, in that I mean, oppressive I, heat as I, well. Like, it's not nice. Oh, god, man. I mean, Miami's pretty bad because of the humidity, yeah, and the hurricanes, depending on your time of year. Yeah, no idea. Yeah. No, lifestyle's great. I'm sure it's not like he needs the money, honestly. So, and he's now bought into they may even make the money out because he's got some equity, yeah, may, may make it up, yeah. So, yeah, don't, don't blame him, really. All right. Have we covered everything? I don't think we got to everyone's questions, but I think we covered most of the takeover transfers. I, I think basically we're in a holding pattern. I, I know they all have the budget, but it's they still need sign off. 
and and sign up from the Glazers. Maybe they may be distracted. There may be some other discussions they're having at the moment. So there you go. Enjoy it, folks. We'll be back with another one soon. I'm not sure what the plan is exactly. It's only about a month till United's kick off again, pre-season tour. So, Players haven't even had a yeah. break yet. They're still playing. They're still playing, yeah. Still getting into Tuesday? Uh, yeah. Monday, I think, for England, isn't Monday, it? Yeah. Tuesday for, yeah. Is this a triple header? Have they got another one? I think it's or... just two. I think. Just the two. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's incredible, really. They just don't don't get any kind of break. And I can't remember what the first game is. The first game in Oslo or Murrayfield or Dublin, one of those. And then they go off to the States for the three games in the States. Yeah. Or is it four games? They have the Wrexham game. They have the Dortmund game. The one against Arsenal. And the Real Madrid one, Houston. Yeah. So four games, yeah. Yeah, it's a big Mm preseason. Starting soon. Anyway, we'll be back before then with something... Until then, thanks for listening.